I wanted to start out today really just kind of talking about um, the foundation. And if you take notes, the title of the message is God is building his house. God is building his house. Now, I want to give you kind of a visual because what kind of brought this up a little bit too is number one, there, there is such a lack of discipleship in the church. And I want to say it this way, kind of really simplifying discipleship is that we need some really good, solid Christians. Can you say amen? And we want to be those good, solid Christians. Can you say amen? And we, God wants us to, to stay on the foundational truths of who he is. We're going to be talking about that today. But here's the kind of the vision that the Lord had given me. It wasn't a vision, but just kind of like something that I saw in the spirit I've seen the church as a large, you know, at large, as we know, Christ is the foundation. He is our firm foundation. So there's Christ, the foundation of the church. And I've seen the church built upon that. But I've also seen the church add on additions to the church that were off the foundation. There was no foundation for it, although it looked like it was connected to the church. And then from the outside looking in, it looked like the church was growing. And Because it, it was all connected together. You know, you look at the siding. All the siding matched everything. But part of the church was not on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, I think it's verse number 26 and 27, God himself said that in the end times, I'm going to yet again bring a shaking. And it's going to shake things. The earth is going to shake the heavens. And this is the purpose, the Bible says. This is the purpose for the shaking. So that those things that are not attached can be removed. And those things that are attached will remain. That's kind of scary a little bit. But when we're steadfast in the word of God, we don't have to worry. There's a shaking. There's going to be a shaking for those on the foundation. There's going to be a shaking for those off the foundation. The, problem, the, 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 the whole gist of it is when the shaking is done, those on the foundation will remain. And we want to be on that foundation. I want to be on that foundation. That's why we're taking this, this first 21 days of this month and tithing this to the Lord and, and seeking him and praying these prayers and over each other and over ourselves because we want to be solidified in the word of God. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So I, uh, I wanted to give kind of, uh, well, let me just go here. I'm just trying to be led. Can I be led? Thank you, Lord. Every builder has a blueprint for their design. God has a blueprint for his design for the church. Remember, he's building a church. Whenever I was a surveyor in uh, Florida, land surveying, some people say, oh, you as a surveyor, you as one of those guys that stood in the mall and asked questions? No, not that kind of surveyor. I was a land surveyor. So I started saying I was a land surveyor and uh, did that for almost 11 years. And you know what? Whenever I began to, to uh, excel in, in my profession in that and, you know, went from what they call lot and block, it's just really small diagrams of things and, and doing housing into more of a commercial thing and going out and doing large properties, you know, like a thousand acres going in and, and topoing the whole, you know, contour of the land and how many trees and all these things and placing where the buildings are going and, and, and the foundations of the, uh, the boundary. I had to learn how to read the blueprints, and it took a little bit. Whenever you pull out this big roll, it kind of looks cool, you know, like, you know, you put it down, you roll it out, and there's a lot of lines and a lot of numbers, and you're kind of like, okay, mm. and a lot of pages, and it took some time to build. 
you know, we got to trust the process that God knows what he's doing in your life. He really does know what he's doing in your life, and he has a blueprint for your life and where you fit in his body as his bride, where you fit in his church. Amen? And we've got to learn how to, to sit with him and to slow down so that he can show us how to read his plans because we don't, there, there's, a, there's a, a proper way of doing things and there's certain things we can't build even though we really want to go into that, even though we're excited about that process or that season of time when we get to build and work on that certain area, there's certain things that have to happen before, before those things can happen. And there's a couple things that I've learned in surveying. Uh, you know, one of them is... Uh, you know, we, we use these guns. It was called a theatolite gun. You probably see them. We just call them guns, you know, but they would shoot the laser light out. And, uh, you know, we could see up about, you know, on a clear day, about two miles away. And there are certain things when it's really close up on you, and we were adjusting things. Sometimes we would be like, someone would be right here. We're setting a corner just because of where we were, what had to happen. And it could be just a hair off. And it don't seem like much here. I mean, you're just like, oh, that's just like a hair. It's nothing. But if I was to look out a mile or two, or even a couple thousand feet, I could be a foot, two, three, four feet off, depending on the angle of what's going on. And a lot of times, when God is working on us and in us, we only see what's happening at the moment. And we have to trust God that He knows what He's doing, because He not only sees what's going on at the moment, and He's concerned about that, but He sees what's coming down the road. And that's why he wants us to do everything right in the moment of where we're at so that when we get down the road, we don't find ourselves off somewhere else. Are you with me? Had an incident um, in my first two, maybe, no, I, was, I wasn't a party chief yet. That's what they called when you had your own crew. Um, so it was within my first two years at the company. And uh, we were at, if you've ever been there before, it's called Westgate Resorts. Maybe you've ever heard of them. They're all, I think they're all over the United States, maybe even the world. Westgate's Resorts Timeshare kind of thing. And it was in Kissimmee, Florida, over by Mickey. It was right, right next to Mickey because you've got to be able to house those people that want to come see Mickey, right? And uh, we were doing a building, and it was an eight-story building. They were putting up these really condominiums, you know, buildings to be able to do timeshares and get things, things going. And, and we went in. And part of surveying is, you know, according to the, 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 to the plat of everything, of the boundary, we, things of the designers, we go in and we, we show those who are doing the foundation where the foundation needs to be. And there's a checks and balance that goes on along the way. So we're in there, we, we put in stakes where they need to put the foundation, or they start with the form boards. And before they can move on to pour, we come back in and we would check the form boards to make sure they were right, because no one wants to waste the money of pouring concrete. So we come back and check them. We give the okay. It's good. Go ahead and pour. After they pour, we come back in and check what was poured to make some sure nothing happened before they start building. When you're going to build an eight-story skyscraper, I mean, you want to make sure that you're, you got things on. Well, it happened that this was one of the first times that I was aware of this on, in that company. They started bringing in prefabbed um, floors. So they would do the, the, the block. The concrete guys would come in, do the block. They would have these big floors that come in, and, poof, and they would put the floors laying down. Well, those floors had to land on the, on the block walls. And it was all good for the first couple levels. And then when they got to about the sixth, seventh level, something was off. And they called us back, and they, they thought that we had made a mistake. And so we went back, and we were kind of scared because that's a, lot, that's a big mistake. 
to have it off whenever you're already, you know, six, seven stories up. I can't remember. I know it was going to be eight stories, and they weren't the whole way up there. I just remember that I had to stand on the edge with that little thing, you know, on the edge, you know, at least six stories up, and I did not like that. (laughs) (laughs) But we found out, you know, when we went there specifically with that, there was a lot of sand and everything in that area. There used to be orange groves. So when we found where it was exactly supposed to be, even when the the foundation, when they did the foundation, we marked it. We put with a permanent marker where the block corner need to be. And we went went in and we looked at the bottom of the wall because that's usually what we did. When they put the block walls in, we would just locate the wall because that's where they put the wall. And we looked at it and something was off. And we looked down at the bottom of the wall and we shot that up six stories and it was about a foot and a half off the block wall. Someone made a mistake, and we were scared, especially the guy that I was working with. He was the party chief. I mean, he was the one leading it, and he'd lose his job. So we went over, and I began to dig. I said, I know. He's like, did you put the mark on that? I said, I know I put the mark. And we went over, and I'm digging the sand, digging down, because they kind of buried things up, and I went down, and guess what I found? I found the mark, and they were off. They were off. I say this to say it's so important when we deal with foundational work. And your life has got to be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And that's the truth of his word, what he says about himself, what he says about you. What he says about you is more important than anybody else would say about you, what he says about you. We've got to take that in. And sometimes It's easier to believe what God says about other people than it is to believe what God says about ourselves. But until we truly believe what God says about us, we will have a hard time being able to be that example to others because it's just not in word, it's in deed. Are you with me? So we see this in Scripture, that God had a design for things. I want to give you three places in Scripture where we see this. One of them is with the building of the ark. And with Noah. And the Bible says this in Genesis 6 God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. And he went into details. If you want to look it up, you can go. He went how length, all these different things. And the Bible says in verse number 22, so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. What do you think would happen if, if he didn't do exactly as God commanded him? Well, that boat could have sank. It could have sank. Then we would have had, Jesus would have had to have been the third Adam instead of the second Adam, Right? <laughs> But it's important. There's, there's things that we need to adhere to. He goes on and he's talking with Moses about, you know, building an altar. He said this in Exodus 20. If you use stones to build my altar, use only natural uncut stones. Do not shape the stones with a tool, for that would make the altar unfit for holy use. See, God knows what he's doing because he wants, he's, he, he's building a habitation and we are that habitation. He wants to come and fill us. He wants us to be set apart for him. 
He don't want our works involved. There's a partnership, but it's not our works. Do you understand that? There's a partnership that we're working with him, but it's not our works that gets it done. It's our faith in his works that gets it done. Then we see it again in Exodus chapter 25, talking about the tabernacle. And God told Moses, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that I will show you. Nine different times this is brought up. Nine different times in Scripture, God told him, repeated to him. When you talk about different things with the tabernacle, you have to make it the way that I said to make it. Because the Bible says in Hebrews that what Moses made was just really a replica or really a copy of really the real tabernacle, which is in heaven in God's presence. And God wanted us to have the best representation of him, And he wanted to have a place where he would come and feel. And that's what happened when Moses built this tabernacle according to God's specifications and the design that he designed it for. He came and he filled that tabernacle. Can you say amen? The glory of the Lord. And we are God's temple. So God is building a house to inhabit. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 3 verse 4 and 6. Every house has a builder. But the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as a son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. If. Don't you love those little things in there? Darn it. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Christ, our firm foundation. This is what the enemy tries to do. He's trying to get us off. And I know, you know, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to get distracted by the lights. Just kidding. <laughs> it's hard sometimes to stay on. You got all these little rabbit trails that come in your head. You got to know which ones to follow. So I want to break this down, uh, these three different things in the scripture. It said God is, our, is the builder. Christ is in charge. We are his house. Let's look at God. God's the builder. Psalms 127, 1 and 2 says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Uh, there's some weight on that. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. One translation says the work of the builders, it's wasted. To do all that work and it's just to be wasted. To be off by so little out here, a couple inches out here, and to be off several feet up there and knowing that this is not going to, this totally changes the whole design of everything because everything inside is not going to fit. Now the sink might not go where it's supposed to go. Now all these things, it's just not going to work. How are we going to get the roof on this thing? Because things aren't just working. And I know we have, you know, they have that saying, you know, well, we'll just jerry-rig it, you know, just kind of fudge it, do it. There's no fudging with God. There's no fudging. He's building something eternal. That's, that's the amazing thing about it, this this treasure that we have in these earthen vessels, that God is doing something eternal. It's in here. 
And we can't fudge what God wants to do. We have to stay on the foundation. He says, this is how I will build my church. And unless, he, unless we allow him to do it according to his design and the way that he wants to do it, I don't want my labor, I don't want your labor to be in vain. I don't want it to be burned up. There's all these different scriptures that we could go to and we'll be thinking and going over this year. You know, scripture affirms in 1 Corinthians 3 that, you know, that we're God's workers, that we're, we're God's field where he plants, he plants his seed, plants faith in us, he plants his word in us. We're God's building. God's the builder. Number two, Christ is in charge. You know, what you believe about Christ determines how secure you'll be in life. It really does. What you believe about Christ determines how secure you'll be in life. Because the devil wants to get us insecure so that we step off the foundation and we begin to build. And sometimes, just like that, that image that I saw, well, we're, we're close to the foundation, We'll just, you know, put the two by four up against this right here, this there, and it'll support us out here. Not when there's a shaking. Not when the earth is unsettled. The only thing that's settling is Christ. Christ cannot be moved. Get that settled in yourself first. Christ cannot be moved. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He did it for us. And he promises us if we stand on the truth of his word, we will not be moved. Doesn't mean things won't come against us. We're staying on him, staying in him. So Christ is in charge. You know, uh, use the scripture here in this one where, you know, Jesus, he's getting close to being crucified and he's talking with his 12 and, and we know that he would take them aside at times and talk to them privately. There's, there's things that they got that everybody else didn't get at that time. You agree with that? The Bible says that he would speak to everybody in parables, but to his disciples, he would ex explain everything in private because he wanted them to get it. And if you're going to leave, you know, the kingdom of God uh, in the hands of, of 12 people after you've done your work, you want to make sure they got it, right? And then they're going to they're build accordingly. So Jesus takes them aside. They're just outside Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus begins to question him. And a lot of times he'll do this. Before he makes a question personal, he'll ask us a question just to get our, you know, because sometimes you can be intimidated. When somebody starts asking you questions, you can get intimidated by a question. So he'll ask you non-intimidating questions, and then he begins to question you. So he's getting your thinker going. So he asked them, he said, who do people say the Son of Man is? Just curious. I mean, he already knew. Just curious. And they're saying, well, some say that you're Elijah. Some say Jeremiah, one of the other prophets raised from the dead. Some say Ezekiel. And they said, but who do you say that I am? This is, this is key. Who do you say that I am? And Peter said this. I know we've, we've probably read this so many times, but the word doesn't get old. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you. Simon Barjona means son of John, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that your name is Peter. I'm sure there was an anointing as he's beginning to speak this. You feel that anointing. I say to you that you're a Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell or Hades will not overpower it. 
Now, he's not saying Peter was a rock, even though Peter was, he was saying, in, in a sense, you know, there's a play on words in there. In, in literal, he's saying to Peter, Peter, you're a stone. And the rock of the truth that you just got from my father is what I'm going to build my church upon. What's that rock? Jesus Christ. He is the firm foundation. You have to decide for yourself, are you going to believe for yourself personally what Jesus says about himself, what he says in the word, what he reveals about the Father, what he has said about the Holy Spirit, what he says about your future? Are you going to believe your feelings or your thoughts or what somebody else will say? I don't know about you, but I'm going to trust Jesus. I may not be perfect at it. You may not be perfect at it, but we're just going to keep on going with him. And if anything needs to change, he'll adjust that in us. Can you say amen? Because he's faithful. So God is the builder. Christ is in charge of the church. And we're his house. Now I want to bring something. I'm going to close off with this portion of scripture. I want to bring something in because I never saw this before and there's just little things that you do. One of the, one of the problems, I don't want to say problem, one of the dilemmas, maybe that's the way, is another way to say a problem, I guess so. Um, with our modern translations of the Bible, I'm not saying the Bible is wrong. What I'm saying is a lot of times when we, we break it up for easy reading, with sometimes there'll be headings in there, just like this heading says, the two foundations. You, you get down to this part, the two foundations, and we'll think that's a place to start reading when it's not the place to start reading, at least to stay in context, to get the fullness a lot of times we'll read this and we'll go over this right now and we'll see what he's talking about. And there's a segment in there that you can pull apart and you can glean from. But to get truly what he's really saying, we have to be able to see what he says before that to keep it all in context. And that's what I say when it, it, it can be hard sometimes we look at scripture and we see, you know, numbers and stuff to help us find scripture and little headings that can be in there. You got to go back and see where does the conversation start. So let's start here with this like we would usually. In Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And Jesus says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. I love it. He don't say on a rock. He says who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet, it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. He goes on, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came. The winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, the thing that you need to see is the rain, the floods, and the winds came against both buildings. There's no difference. Being founded on Jesus on the foundation doesn't mean there's not going to be storms in life. Guaranteed there's going to be storms. Jesus said that. 
Actually, we may get into that this year. There's, there's, there's a, uh, a teaching that we need to be able to understand when it comes about suffering, you know, and, and things that are going on. There's a proper way, and sometimes we feel like, you know, if there's any kind of suffering involved, then God must be mad at us or we must have sinned, and that's not necessarily the case. Jesus said, through much trials and tribulations, we will enter into the kingdom of God. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. But we need to view it just like we spent all last year going over. We need to be able to view whatever comes our way as an opportunity to stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? You know, when things begin to rattle, storms come to, come to our lives and things begin to rattle and, and uh, things can get loose. But we don't want to get them so loose that they could be shaken off, Right? In our, uh, we have a boat that we love, um, traded our four-wheeler in for it whenever uh, we moved from Carlos, or Carlos, for those of you who are local, Carlos, say I ain't got no cars, just kidding, Carlos, um, and moved to Alexandria here, we got a boat, and there was this one bolt, there's this one a screw on, you know, the side where they, you know, kind of you got your, your, your window, and then it kind of goes down just the aluminum framing, and there was just one screw that just kept coming undone. It was annoying me. It's like we're driving, you wouldn't think about it, and all of a sudden, you, you, I go to touch that piece, and it's loose again, darn it, and I'd screw it in. And then it'd come again, sometimes it'd fall out, and I'm like, where'd it go, darn it? And I'd find it, oh, thank you, Jesus, screw it back in. And nothing was changing. I'm like, that just keeps coming loose. You know, storms in life are like that. They show us some areas that need to be tightened up. And I was like, well, I keep screwing it in. It ain't working. Something's got to change. And I wasn't sure. My first thought was like, I'll just use some super glue. Put some super glue in there. Get her done. And then while I was contemplating that, and you know, a couple of days went by like that, it hit me. And I, just, I believed it to be from the Lord. He said, like, use some Teflon tape like you do for plumbing. Put that around that thing. Shove that thing in there. Never had a problem since. <laughs> but storms will loose some things. That's why when we go through storms, it's important to center back on him, back on the truths. And if what he's doing, he, he'll use, even though he don't send the storms, he'll use the storms to see certain areas in our life that need to be more founded. They need to be made more sure on the foundation. Okay, Lord. We can get upset about it, you know, and it's out of his grace sometimes that the screw keeps falling out, and you're, he's just like, right there it is. That's, are you going to fix that this time, or are you just going to keep trying to do the same old thing? Right? He wants us to be founded on him, because the storms are going to come, the, wind, the rain, the floods, the wind. It's for everybody. Just like the Lord says, he's so gracious, he causes the rain to fall and the sun to shine on the evil and the good. It's on everybody. It's part of his... The cycle of when he puts seasons and, and things into motion, uh, it's there. We're going to go through these things, but if we're founded on him, we'll be secure. So I want to go back, looking at that, I want to go back to the beginning of that verse where it says, therefore, before we go into everyone who hears these words and acts and everyone who hears these words and does and acts, he says, therefore, when I was taught in college, they said, when you see a therefore, you need to know why it's therefore right? You see something like that, you want to go back. Well, what's he mean, therefore? I mean, he's, there's a continuation of something. And this is what he says at the beginning of the thought. There's several scriptures ahead. And this is it, John, or Matthew uh, 7, 15. 
Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are, very, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so can you, so you can identify people by their actions. Now I want to watch this because this is where we can get to as Christians. And we can get judgmental. Because we'll see one rotten fruit on a tree that has good fruit. And we'll say, because there's one rotten fruit there, that tree is bad. And we'll judge the whole tree because there's one apple that didn't fall. It, it hung on a little too long, so to say. Or maybe using husbandry, you know, and, and, and cultivating trees and stuff like that, sometimes certain branches need to be pruned and we let them grow. And they need to be pruned off because other areas are taken to life. They need that life. And we allow these things to grow. So they, they grow dwarfed uh, uh, fruit or the fruit just, just don't even come. And then we look at the tree and say, it's a bad tree. Is there good fruit? Because the Bible says a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, even though we may see sometimes in our lives character flaws here or there. We're talking about being connected to Jesus. If we take it back to the vine in Jesus in John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Just as the vine can't produce fruit of itself, it comes from the, the branches, the vine, the vine gives life to the branches to be able to produce the fruit. So it, if we stick to the foundation of Jesus, if we stick to the life source of who he is, it is inevitable that good fruit will come. It's his fruit. The problem is we move around too much. We don't stay still. That's one of the things God's speaking to me personally this year. He gave me the scripture, Psalm 46.10, be still and know. What? That I am God. Sometimes we're unable to know because we're not taking enough time to sit still and hear what God is saying. Be still and know that I'm God. God's looking for fruit. Jesus builds from the inside out. This is what God is doing in us this year. He's doing a greater heart work, and you need to give him permission to do the work. Any surgeon that you go into you know, have a surgery, you have to sign off in a sense. You're saying, I give you permission to hurt me to make me better. God wants us to be founded on the truth of who he is. We need to give him permission. It's called humility. It's called, I need you, Jesus. Not just when I need you, I need you. I need you, Jesus. We're giving him permission to fix whatever in our lives is loose right now or needs to be removed so that we can stay closer to him. 
And lastly, you know, kind of going on with that thought, you always produce what you're most connected to. And God wants us to be connected to him. Can you say amen? So we see Jesus talking about those foundations and the word that he speaks and, and doing them or don't doing them. And he says, listen, if you're going to do my word, there's going to be fruit of my life in your life. You're going to be growing in the fruits of the spirit, right? These things are going to begin to grow in your life. You're going to find out that you're more patient. You're going to find out that you're more loving. You're going to find out that you're being more kind, that you're more gentle. You're going to find out that you have greater self-control than you've ever had before because you went through the storm and you chose to stick with me. And you got founded even more in that fruit in, my, in your life. Amen? So lastly, not only is, is you know, Jesus is in charge, uh, he's building from the inside out, he's the final inspector. Jesus is the final inspector. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. And then I will, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know, one of the things Jesus is saying here is, or, or the people is really saying, you know, we did this for you. But Jesus is saying, but I'm not in you. We want to be connected and founded on the foundation of Jesus. Now, I want to believe that every single person in here, that we're, we're founded on Jesus Christ. We want to make sure as the world around us and the world is already around us, we see birth pangs that are happening as the scripture says. Things are turning. A shaking is happening. And we want to be solid on who he is, what he says about himself, what he says about us. It's time for us to respond and step up into those things that God says we're able to do as we are the light of the kingdom of God here in his stead. Amen? And he wants us to produce his fruit so people can taste and see that he is good. But Jesus is the inspector. And this is one thing that, you know, a lot, it's not taught much in Scripture uh, or not in scripture, in, in churches anymore. There is that time of reflection. There is that time of repentance. God just don't want us to be sorry for something that we did. He wants to be sorry and confessing of a lifestyle that leads us away from him and stay solid with him. Can you say amen? amen. Are you with me this morning? Let's stand up if you would.